This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, everybody. It's so good to be with you this Christmas weekend. What a wonderful time of the year. Now, I would love it if you would all give the Lord a great big praise this morning. All of you in the theater, the Dr. Bev, the Dr. Theo, wherever you might be in the main church sanctuary and Sheila Palmer, let's give the Lord a great big praise, God. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful time of the year this is. All right. Today, we are continuing our series. Actually, we're going to wrap up our series today of Bible Heroes. We're going to talk about Gideon, a wonderful, wonderful story here, very encouraging. All right, go to Judges chapter 6, verse 1. I would like to encourage all of you to come to church. All right? Judges 6, 1. Again, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midnights for seven years. The Midnights were so cruel that the Israelites fled to the mountains where they made hiding places for themselves in caves and dens. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders, plunderers from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, oxen, and donkeys. These enemy hoarders coming with their cattle and tents as thick as locusts, arriving on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. Wow. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midnights. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. So after seven years of this, they now come together and they cry out to God for help. They seek God. Israel comes together to seek God's help. That's a great a great thing to do. And, and inevitably, they're going to have a God encounter. All right, verse 7. When they cried out the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the oak tree in Adopra, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizon. Gideon, son of Joash, had been threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the midnights. Now, everybody knows that when you thresh wheat, you do it on top of a hill 
so the wind can blow away the chaff and leave the good stuff behind, all the grain. But Gideon now is so terrified, he's in a wine press, which is a hole. It's a pit. He's in the ground underneath. He's hiding from the midnights. So think about this. He's afraid. He's hiding away, choking on all this chaff, which is not blowing anywhere. It's staying in that hole. What a crazy setup that is. But the man's so full of fear, he has to, I guess. Then verse 12 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Imagine that. I mean, the man's hiding away, and the Lord says to him, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Wow. So Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say, The Lord brought us up out of Egypt, and now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midnights? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midnights. I am sending you. Go with the strength you have. Verse 15. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Anesha, and I am the least in my entire family. In other words, he's saying, <clears throat> okay, let's think about this now. Our tribe is the weakest tribe in all the tribes of Israel. And our clan is the weakest of our tribe. And my family is the weakest family in our clan. And I'm the weakest in my family. Hello, Lord. <laughs> in case you don't know it, you've came to the weakest person in all of Israel. You've made a mistake by telling me I am a mighty man of valor. You got the wrong man here. Maybe you feel that way about you as well. Let's find out what happens. 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midnights as if you were fighting against one man. Go to verse 34. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, then he blew the trumpet. Okay, so what happened here? So Gideon agreed, okay, fine. I will, I'll go and fight the Midnights. I'll blow the trumpet and see who comes to fight with me. 33,000 soldiers gathered. Then Gideon called his men to take up arms. And look what God says here now in Judges 7 verse 2 about this. The Lord said to Gideon, if you have too many warriors with you, like 33,000, 30,000, he says, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midnights, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. So they finally ended up with 300 soldiers, only 300 soldiers against this mighty, mighty invasion of, of soldiers and army. Verse 7, 
The Lord said to Gideon, with these 300 men, I'll rescue you and give you victory over the Midnights. So God chose only 300 men to go to war against this mighty army so that there could be no confusion about who got the victory. Obviously, God got the victory for them and through them, not man, obviously. Now, there are a few things we should take note of here in this portion of Scripture. Number one, God saw Gideon as a mighty hero of valor. God saw him that way. God saw Gideon as a hero. Huh, and he's in a wine press. Because God knew what he would do through Gideon. You see, God knew. This is what I'm going to do through Gideon. I'm going to do it. Therefore, Gideon is a mighty hero. Number two, Gideon saw himself as a loser. We knew that. Because Gideon looked in the mirror and thought, how could I ever do this? How could I rescue Israel from the Midnights? He's looking in the mirror now. He sees himself with all of his weaknesses. And perhaps you do that too. All right, third point. Gideon did not know God's plan for his life. He had no idea that God would use him to conquer the Midnights for Israel with only 300 men. Perhaps you greatly underestimate God's plan for your life. Perhaps you have no idea what great things God can do and wants to do through your life. Perhaps you have gotten older in years now. And perhaps you're thinking, well, if God is ever going to use me, he should have used me by now and he hasn't, so... I've done nothing for God, and uh, I'm a loser. Perhaps the devil's told you that, just like Gideon. You're probably looking in the mirror and thinking, "I'm I'm the least. I could never amount to anything for God. Well, what does the Bible say about that? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you... See your calling, brethren or sistren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God hasn't called mighty people to do works for him. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, God has chosen, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence, that no flesh should say, how great I ought Right, say this with me. Look at the person next to you and say this. 
you are a foolish thing. Because God has chosen you to conquer the mighty. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah. To overcome the big challenges of life. So the fourth thing we should note in this story is get in changed. He stopped feeling like a loser and he started feeling like a winner. What caused Gideon to stop feeling like a loser? What was the reason? There are three reasons. The first reason why he stopped feeling like a loser is because he found out that God was on his side. Gideon found out that God would fight for him. Praise the Lord. Judges 6 verse 12. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And Judges 6 verse 14 says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midnights. I am sending you. And verse 16, the A part says, Lord said to him, I will be with you. That is awesome. How can you be a loser after that? If God's fighting with you, hey, let's go. <laughs> Amen. Judges 7 verse 7. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midnights. I will fight this battle for you, Gideon. So before we go on to the other two reasons why Gideon stopped seeing himself as a loser, let's ask ourselves this question. Is God on our side like he promised to be on Gideon's side? Let's find out, Romans 8.31. In the New Testament, after the cross, the Word of God says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, who can successfully defeat us? All right, Romans 8.37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Say this, God is on my side. Who can successfully defeat me? Now say this, I am more than a conqueror because Christ fights my battles for me. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say this, I have the victory in every battle I face in my future because Christ fights my battles for me. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Wow. Say this with me. God is guiding me and I am walking in triumph in Christ Every day. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now say this. God's strength is taking care of my future. He's working for me. This is what a 17-year-old shepherd boy named David said 
to a giant named Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, 47, David said to Goliath, for the battle is the Lord's. He said to the giant, the Lord's fighting this battle. And we need to say that. Whatever you're facing right now, say this, the Lord is fighting this battle for me. This is the Lord's battle. The battle is the Lord's. Praise God. This is what the prophet of God said to King Jehoshaphat of Judah when they were greatly outnumbered by three nations coming against them. Second Chronicles 20 verse 15, the prophet said to the king, for the battle is not yours, but God's. He said, you'll stand still and see God fighting for you. This battle is not yours, it's God's. And I say to you today, whatever you are facing, child of God, remember, you have a covenant sealed in blood with Jesus. Your battle is the Lord's. He's fighting it for you. Let him deal with it. Let him deal with it. Don't get stressed out. Leave it with the Lord. Just say it. God is taking care of this, whatever it is you might be dealing with right now. All right. And don't stay away from church. Don't backslide. Don't get cold and hot. There's no time for that. No time for that. Don't walk away from the Lord. You need him now more than ever. So if they could say all that, so can we. If David could say that, if Jehoshaphat's prophet could say that, then we can. So go aside and have a God encounter. Spend time with the Lord. Read the scriptures that I've just given you right now. Read these scriptures. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Ephesians 6.10, 1 Samuel 17.47, 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15, 1 Corinthians 15.57, Romans 8.37, Romans 8.31. These are powerful verses, powerful, that prove to us that God is on our side. Come on, child of God. Let's be bold. Let's be encouraged. Let's not throw in a towel. Start praising the Lord. Start thanking Him for His Word. Take those scriptures. Meditate on them. Praise Him for His Word and declare that God is fighting your battles for you. He's on your side. So Gideon stopped looking in the mirror and we need to do that. Rather look at the Word of God. And Gideon started looking at the word of God instead of at his human weaknesses. God didn't choose Gideon because of anything that Gideon had done. And God hasn't chosen you and me because of anything we have done. God chose us because of what he wants to do through our lives. God deliberately chose Gideon because he was the least in Israel. And perhaps God chose you because you were the least. Well, I know for sure God chose me. I was the least. All I wanted in life was to have a suntan in winter. My goodness, what a great <laughs> what a great vision for my future. Okay. So God chose him because he was the least. There came a time in Gideon's life when he stopped seeing himself as a loser 
and he began to see himself as a winner because God was on his side. Because God was on his side. Gideon became bold. Bold to proclaim what God said he would do. He said, he spoke out what God said he would do. Gideon went to the camp of the Midnights, where they were camped, as far as the eye could see. And he spied out the land. And he listened to those enemy soldiers talking. And he heard them talk negatively to each other in fear over Gideon and his army. He came back. Watch this now. Judges 7 verse 15. He walks up to his 300 soldiers who are waiting for him to instruct them. And he says, Then Gideon returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midnights. Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midnights. Not going to, has. This is one totally awesome statement from a man who was hiding in a wine press a few days ago. And now Gideon says, We've got the victory before the battle begins. We've got the victory before the battle begins. And that's what we need to say. Before the battle begins, whatever you're facing in your life, say it. I have the victory. This battle is the Lord's. When you hear the bad news, just speak it out. We must stand up like Gideon. Boldly proclaim what God will do through us. Listen to David's confession in Psalm 27.1. David says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wow, I quote that scripture a lot. The Lord is the strength of my life. I like to quote that. The Lord is the strength of my life. I'll just tell people, the Lord is the strength of my life. Privately, of course. But he is. No wonder David is able to slay his lion and slay his bear, and slay his giant Goliath because he knew the Lord was the strength of his life. Hallelujah. So listen to Paul the Apostle's confession. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now wonder Paul the Apostle wrote more than half of the New Testament, including the book of Hebrews. And uh, no wonder he started more churches than all the other apostles combined. God has a plan for each of us, not just for Paul and for all these great characters in the Bible. According to Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the New Testament, which is written to you, The Word of God says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, born again, in other words, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See that? God planned your destiny, your future 
long before the world was created. Amazing. Yes, sir. God is planning to do good things through you. Acts 17, 26. A wonderful scripture. One of my favorites from the NIV translation. It says, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the times set for them when they should be born, in other words, and the exact places where they should live. I love the way the NIV captures that from the Greek, that particular verse, better than any other translation in that particular verse. So see that that God planned the exact time that you should be born on the earth and where you should live, where you should live. So, that is the case and it is. You are born for such a time as this. God kept his best soldiers for the end time battle. It's like putting your best team in the game the last few minutes when you really want to make sure you get over the finish line and win the game. God planned for you to be where you are right now because that's where he needs you. And God's going to use you. God's going to protect you. God's going to provide for you. And you need to confess all that and say it, and he will. That's his plan. You can see that in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. So you see, God has a plan to prosper you and to protect you and give you hope for your future. Say that. Say it right now. God has a plan for my life, a plan to prosper me and to protect me from harm. A plan to give me hope for my future. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5. The Lord has assigned to each his task. So that God has assigned to me his task. To each person God has assigned a task. So God has then in that case a plan for each of us, a destiny for each of us. Let's look at the scripture together and see if we can throw a little more light on what that calling may be or what God intends for us to do. Can we find out what that might be? Matthew 28, 18. After Jesus rose from the dead, he said, And Jesus came and spoke to the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So, according to verse 20 and verse 19, God has assigned to each of us a task, a purpose, 
a destiny. And this destiny involves, number one, winning souls. It revolves around winning souls. Whatever God's called us to do, it's going to be for the ultimate purpose of winning souls. If God calls you to be a lawyer, a baker, a candlestick maker, whatever it might be, it's for the purpose of using that platform to influence people to Christ or win souls to Christ and for caring for other Christians. Those three objectives are on God's heart for each and every one of us. One, winning souls. Two, influencing people to Christ. Three, caring for other Christians. And if all of us care for each other, we will be taken care of. John 21, 16. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Take care of my sheep. If you love me, take care of my sheep. We know the Lord said this to Peter three times. Therefore, when we take care of other Christians, we are loving Jesus. He said, what you do, the least of these you're doing to me. I'll read that verse now. But here's the point. He said to, G to Peter three times, if you love me, if you love me, take care of my children, my sheep. In other words, if I want to show Jesus I love him, I must take care of his children. Or when I do take care of his children, I am showing Jesus I love him. When I take care of his children, I'm taking care of Jesus. Because these children represent him, right? So I'm loving the Lord. Now our assignment, our destiny, also involves caring for other Christians and encouraging other Christians. We'll see that in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unfair. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other Christians. Wow. So when I care for other Christians, I'm showing my love to Jesus. Say that. When I do things to encourage other Christians, I'm showing Jesus how much I love him. So we don't even have to say, God, I love you. Just do something for another Christian, and that's how you will be telling God you love him. Mark 9, 41. Forever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ. Assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Well, so just by giving a cup of water to a Christian, Jesus is going to reward me for all eternity for that. Well, how can I miss out? I should be laying up treasure in heaven, family. Let's do stuff for other Christians. Yes, it's true. God has a plan for our life. And this plan involves winning souls, 
and caring for his children. The moment you give God the permission to start guiding you, he will begin ordering your steps. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will not fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. That's so beautiful. Though they stumble, they will not fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Say that with me. I give God permission to guide me. Father, I yield to you to order my steps and use me for your glory. We must share his love with this dying world. And we must bring people to church so they can get saved or lead them to Christ and then bring them to church and disciple them. Put them on the Christian Growth Seminar. Put them on Growth Track. Sit there with them. Then you will be a good discipler. And you'll be showing Jesus you love them and love him by doing so. All right, family. We love you. Pastor Bev and I can't wait to see you in February. We trust in God to come. So agree with us. And um, at this point in time, would you kindly bow your heads and close your eyes. And we trust that you will live in his love and continue to walk in his love. Amen. Because he loves you so much. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, how many would say, Apostle Theo, I need to be sure that I'm going to go to heaven one day. I don't know where I'm going. I hope to go to heaven. Can you pray for me? I'd like God to speak to my heart. I'd like him to confirm to my heart that I am saved, that I am bound for heaven, my sins are forgiven, that God is my father. Yes, I'll pray, and God will confirm that to your heart right now in this service, in your chair. So I'm going to count to three before I pray because you need to invite God to speak to you so that he will, if you do, invite him, by slipping up your hand when I count to three. And if you'll slip your hand up when I count to three, God will speak to your heart when I pray for everybody here right now. You ready? All right. Let's count to three. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Now I invite everybody to say this little prayer with me. Everybody, especially those who raise their hands. Let's say this together. And all of you watching live from your home or wherever you might be, say this prayer with me as well. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross in my place. Thank you for being punished for my sins so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me, Jesus, for all of my sin. Thank you, Lord. I declare Jesus is the Lord of my life. I will live for Jesus with all my heart, I will not live a selfish life anymore. I will now live to serve my Jesus. Therefore, I know I am forgiven, bound for heaven, 
and God is my Father now. Praise God. If you said that, give them all a big praise God hand clap. And um, congratulations. Now stay in fellowship with Jesus. Stay in fellowship. Come to church every weekend. Don't backslide. People that don't come to church go grow cold in heart. That's just a fact. Don't be one of them. Love you very much. From Pastor Bev and me, we love you. God bless. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.